Well, listen, this morning, I want to continue uh, with the word that I've been sharing for the past few weeks, uh, which is entitled Kingdom Disciple, the need to train your human spirit to receive from the Holy Spirit. For the benefit of those who have not been um, with us the last few weeks when I'll be sharing this word, I'll do a very brief recap and then I'll continue from where I left off. But before I even get into that, I want to pray, just ask the Lord to just help us uh, and to be with us this morning. So do join me with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, it is an honor and a privilege to be able to spend time in your presence. We thank you, O oh God, for all of those who are joining us online this morning. We commit this word into your hands. We pray that, Lord, that you will really help us to hear from you, that you will speak to us, you will draw us closer to you, and you will help us in our spirits, O oh God, to be connected with you, O oh God, in all that we do. So we thank you. Use me as I share your word to reach out to your people and let all glory and praise be given to you. So we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So just a very quick recap in regards to um, this word. I read some scriptures um, to kind of lay a foundation. Uh, Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, when, the, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, you will not be swept over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now this scripture, and some others, I've got a time, I'll just read that one. These are, or this scripture is a reminder of the promises that God has and wants us to use in order to navigate through life's challenges and life's uh, uh, battles that come up. And every time we can do so by using our human spirit being influenced by the Holy Spirit. Now, what is our human spirit? Again, I'll just quickly give a definition. Your human spirit is simply this. It's in essence, it's your conscience. It's the part of you that decides right from wrong. It's the part of you that feels guilt or, or feels justified or condemnation. Um, other people describe your conscience as like your gut feel or your heart. Um, and an example of this, this is a, an example of a friend of mine that I knew many years ago, still a friend of mine now, they got married. The, marriage, the marriage didn't really work out. They ended up getting divorced. But the interesting thing was that before they got married, they felt that God was telling them that they shouldn't marry this person. But because they thought, you know, I want to give marriage a go, they ignored that and they went ahead and, and got married. And he told me this after their divorce. But the interesting thing was that that feeling within them of where they felt God was telling them not to get married, well, where they felt that something in them was saying uh, to not get married. That was God speaking to them through her conscience. And this is how God speaks to us. God speaks to us in this way. And it's your human spirit or your conscience. That is how God communicates to us. Now, what happens, what I said before, is that when you become a born-again Christian, what happens is that your human spirit now becomes influenced or uh, it becomes uh, or influenced, yes, by the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit himself comes inside of your spirit and begins to dictate how your spirit functions. And the Bible makes it very clear that God is a spirit. So when God speaks to us, he speaks to us through the spirit. So he speaks to you through your human spirit, but as a child of God, he'll speak to you by the Holy Spirit inside of you, speaking to you as he prompts things within you. So it's important to just lay that as a foundation, that your conscience is your human spirit. And God speaks to every single person, whether the person is a Christian 
whether the person is a Muslim, whatever religion or background that they have, everyone has a conscience, their human spirit, and God will speak to them through that. But it's only when uh, the child of God is a Christian that you become a, a, a child of God, you give your heart to the Lord. That's when the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes and dwells and lives inside of you. And then God begins to speak and influence your spirit and speak to you in a way that is a lot more coherent, clearer, because God himself is now living inside of you. I mean, but let me make, make it clear that God is always speaking. He's always speaking. And it's for us as children of God to be able to listen. And this teaching is about training our human spirit to receive help from the Holy Spirit. So as part of this, I mentioned that I wanted to share four practices that we can do that can help to feed and to strengthen our own human spirit in order to receive help from the Holy Spirit. The first one I mentioned was meditation on the word. I spoke about meditating on the word. Meditation is simply when you ponder, when you go over, when you, you uh, recite uh, things in your mind, you ponder things, you go over things in your mind. This is meditation, but meditation on the word of God is where the word of God is what you mull over. You recite it, you think about it, you murmur it, you speak it, but it's on your mind and you keep on going over it to allow the word of God to become part of you. Meditation is such an important aspect of training our human spirit. And the famous scripture that I use for that is Joshua 1.8 that said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may know, that you may observe to do according to all that is written within it. And then you shall make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Through meditation on God's word, the word of God said itself, that by meditating on this word, that you will make your way, God will make your way prosperous and he will give you good success, godly success, not success in the sight of the world because they have their own definition, but in the, in the context of how God defines success you will be successful through meditation on the word of God. The next one we looked at was practicing the word. We're looking at, again, ways to develop your human spirit. Practicing the word means being a doer of the word of God. One thing that we should make sure that we do is that when we hear God's word, we don't just read it and then we allow the word to go by the wayside, but we do, we practice and we put into, into, into action the word of God. This is what it means by being a doer of the word. And I believe that that was where I ended off uh, speaking about being a doer. But part of the aspect I spoke about being a doer of God's word, which is where I'm going to continue from. We looked at a scripture in Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 7. And this scripture was relating to one of the ways that many of us struggle when it comes to practicing God's word. And it's through this area of doubt of worry, of having fear and anxiety. And the scripture in Philippians uh, 4, verses 7 and 8, it covered this area in terms of us uh, addressing any issues of where we're worried or concerned or fearful about anything in our lives. And I'll quickly read it. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. If I go back to very quickly, verse six, just before that says that do not worry, do not have any anxiety about anything. That's what the scripture says. Verse seven says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind through Christ 
Jesus. Now, verse 8, and this is where I'm going to continue from in that same uh, um, book in Philippians. Verse 8 talks about how we can address this issue of worrying. Because let's, let's be honest, many of us in different ways, we battle with this area of worry, being concerned about things that are around us. Now, God is saying that, God is not saying that um, in terms of when you, that in terms of worrying, that worrying in itself is something that is, 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 is wrong. Definitely worry is not something that we should have as a lifestyle. But the scripture in Philippians 4.8 tells us how we can address worrying. So whenever an issue of worrying or anxiety or fear comes up, it tells us this is how we address it. Because generally speaking, if you want God to answer your prayers and you're praying for God to help you, but in your heart there is worry, there's doubt or anxiety, it'll be difficult to God to answer your prayer because God responds to faith. And where there is anything that is contrary to faith, you are stopping God's hand and you're stopping God from moving on your behalf. So verse eight, Philippians 4, eight says this, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are, are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and any praise, think on these things. So verse eight, remember we're looking, we're looking at being Sorry, a it's, it's, it's Ken. I don't want to speak across you, but I just got a question. So yeah, Ken, if you don't mind, if you think, Ken, if you don't mind, if you can keep your question to the end, if you can yeah. Um, just um yeah, just no, put it in the chat, no and, I, and I'll definitely address it after. No problem. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks, thanks, Ken. So, in other words, when it comes to this scripture. This is this scripture, God is encouraging us to put it into practice. That we need to do this verse eight. Things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that have good reports. So if there's any virtue, virtue is talking about life. If there's anything that we should give praise about, think on these things. Put your mind on these things. Think about those things. Because let's be honest, many of us think about the wrong things. There's, there's, almost, there's, almost, there's an attraction in, in the way that this world is to think about things that are negative. And I want to encourage you to try and turn away from dwelling and meditating on things that are negative. You know, I spoke about meditation before. Meditation is simply where you just go over things in your mind. And many of us meditate on things that are negative. And by doing so, the very thing that you're meditating on, it grows in strength, it grows in power. And, but in, and in the end, it begins to consume you because you've given it so much energy and attention, which is why meditation on the word of God is what the spirit is encouraging us to do. And by doing so, we're giving our spirit man the capacity to receive and to embrace the truth that is in God's word. Because the scripture that I read about things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure, etc. God's word is true. God's word is honest. God's word is just, is pure. God's word is lovely. God's word is full of good reports. So as we meditate on God's word, what you are doing is that you are now filling yourself, your whole being, with the essence of truth that comes from God's word, which is why meditation on the word of God is such an important aspect to help each and every one of us train our human spirits. Now, at times, 
when people speak, you can tell what's on their mind at times because of what they say. And I'm sure that applies to you. Because the scripture, the scripture says this in Matthew 12, 34. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So for example, if you have a worry or a concern about something that's in your heart, inevitably you will end up showing it by how you speak or by how you act. It's just a, it's just a natural course of things. So whatever's in your heart, eventually you will speak it. So if fear is in your heart and if anxiety is in your heart, in how you speak, you will display it. You may not say to somebody, I'm scared, I'm worried, I'm concerned, but how you behave, how you conduct yourself, the decisions that you make, those things will demonstrate that you're doing those things out of fear and out of anxiety. And this is not how God wants us to be. He wants us to respond out of faith and out of trust in him. And as I said before, we cannot be a doer of God's word if we continue to talk and doubt because that demonstrated no faith and God responds to faith. That's what God responds to. I mentioned before, again, the more you talk about things that are negative, the bigger and stronger that it becomes. So pay attention to the things that you talk about. If what you're talking about isn't true, if it's not honest, if it's not just, if it's not lovely, if it's not a good report, then if that's the case, you don't need to think about it and you definitely don't need to talk about it. In Corinthians chapter 13, verse seven, it says, it says, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. You know, sometimes people can speak to you about somebody else and they can say things about somebody else that you know can be quite negative generally you know just gossiping about people but this scripture that i just read puts that into context love, saying love is ever ready to believe the best of every person but this scripture is very important and significant when people talk to you about others it could either be at work it could be your family it could be um, your neighbor, etc. A lot of the time when people speak something to you about somebody that's negative, a lot of the time what they even say to you is not even accurate. Maybe part of it is, but sometimes the majority isn't because it's based on opinion. It's based on maybe what somebody has done. They've done something that's not good. But then when a the person speaks about it, because they're speaking from their own position, they will speak about it in a particular way that relates to them. But it doesn't mean that everything that they're saying about the person is correct because they're speaking from their own position. So unless what they're saying is a real serious matter that relates to you, generally speaking, don't talk about stories that you hear from other people in that respect. In fact, don't even think about such things, but leave them to God. You know, again, the reality is that by thinking about things that are that entertain fear or worry and anxiety, what happens is that we give the devil an opportunity to attack us. The devil is very real. You know, the Satan, the devil, Lucifer, whatever name you want to give him, but he's very real. And when we start entertaining doubt and fear, we need to recognize that we give him a foothold. We give him like a, a position of, 
of strength within our lives. Now, one of the ways, or one of the most uh, prominent ways that the devil tries to influence us as, 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 uh, as people, but also as, as, as Christians, the children of God, is through the power of suggestion. The power of suggestion. What this simply means is that he will attempt to enter into your thought life and will encourage you to think a certain way that is totally contrary to how God himself wants us to think. Similar to what I said before, thinking in terms of doubt, in fear. If something comes along, you think of the worst case scenario rather than thinking in faith. That's why we need to meditate on God's word because he said, think on these things in that scripture, Philippians 4.8, things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, pure, lovely, and of good report. So we need to meditate on these things and be a doer of God's word. You know, yesterday, I don't know if many, if any of you saw this on the, um, the uh, football took place yesterday. Um, one of the, the players uh, for Denmark that was playing, they were playing Finland, one of the guys collapsed on the pitch and I was sitting there watching it. And you could see that this guy had died on the pitch. His eyes were the back of his head. He was gone. They were giving him CPR. They gave him the, the defibrillator to revive him. And he was, he was dead at the time. And as I saw this, I began to pray. The medical team came on. They were doing their stuff and it looked like they did an excellent job. But I began to pray. In fact, even that time I was speaking to Jean-Marc, he called me because he saw the same thing. And both of us began, began, began to pray. And as I prayed, I said, this guy's not going to die. This guy's going to live and he's going to live and declare the word of God and declare how God is the one that saved him. Now, I'm not saying that the medical team didn't do their job. Obviously, God has created doctors and medical team, of course. But at times, the medical team can do their best and people still pass. But as I prayed, I prayed that, listen, this guy is going to live and declare. And the end of the program, BBC, Change, they, they stopped showing coverage um, so then we couldn't really hear any more news unless you went online to hear certain things and then as time went on they said that the guy eventually came around and when they took him off the pitch he was awake apparently even talking to the medical team waving to the crowd as he went off but this was a miracle live on tv let me tell you but this guy was dead and i'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say himself with his own mouth but this is an example of praying in faith, speaking in faith. The worst case scenario was that this guy would have died. And even when the BBC or when the, the commentators were talking, you know, they were trying their best to be positive and stuff like that, you know. Um, and it's interesting that when such things happen, that's when you hear that the, the kind of the media use the word prayer in that context. Because generally speaking, prayer is not something that they, that, that used, to, they used to say or use it. But they were saying, let's pray for uh, this player. Christian Erickson. But I'm saying this to say that as, as, we, as we prayed in faith, look what God did. And this is an example of how when we, in any situation, begin to speak God's word in faith. Doesn't mean that when you're praying that you're not feeling fearful. Because when I was watching it and I saw him, I was fearful. I was thinking, wow, this guy could die on TV. It's just ridiculous. 
But when I prayed, I was praying in faith. My body was still feeling fear. I was feeling anxiety for, the, for him and his per, for the person. It was really distraught at one stage because even his, I think his girlfriend came on and they were, you know, um, hugging her and, and his children were there. It, did, it just didn't look good at all. So naturally speaking, I was concerned, but I prayed in faith. And look at the miraculous outcome that has taken place. This guy was died and was brought back to life, live on national TV. Let me read this scripture, Psalms chapter 127, verse one to two, it says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. This is a really interesting, interesting scripture. Scripture is simply saying that if you do anything outside of God in your life, it is a waste of time. It is fruitless. Even if it seems to be the most sensible, wisest thing, if it's outside of God, it's a waste of time. Laborers are needed. If we didn't have laborers in this world, constructions and, and, and the house you live in, you wouldn't even have the house because a laborer helped to build the house that you're living in. They produce wonderful work. A watchman, back in the day, they used to have watchmen to watch over, uh, you know, on the, in, the, in the sea to see if any enemy uh, ships and uh, tankers are coming in. By having them, it protected the, the area uh, where the watchman was. And if they saw somebody that was, a, that was foreign that was coming to attack them, they could now prepare and go and address the, the, the threat that was coming. But the scripture is saying this, that unless God himself is your laborer, unless God is your watchman, you can bring all the laborers in the world and it'd be a waste of time. You can bring the best watchman to be watching over your, your, your area and it'd be a waste. We need to be deliberate in putting into practice the things of God first. And if we're deliberate about putting into practice these things, every one of us will grow spiritually. We'll get to know the Lord even more. And at the same time, what you will do is that you will strengthen your human spirit to receive direction from the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be living my life whereby I'm doing things, I'm spending my time uh, uh, investing in certain things to find out at the end of it that what I've done was a waste of time. Can you imagine that, that, that kind of situation? You spent years building things. You spent years developing something only at the end to find that what you've spent years building and developing was a waste of time. The scripture is saying that to us. That unless God builds the house, unless God is the one that guards and protects and watches over the things that you are doing, unless you involve him, and I say this a lot to my children, involve the Lord in what you are doing. The way God works, the way the Holy Spirit works, he doesn't come and force himself on any of us. God, the Holy Spirit works by invitation. 
if you invite him in, then you've given him liberty. If you don't invite him in, then he can't do anything. So invite him. Invite him into the things you are building. You may have been building things for years and you've never really invited him in what you, in what you do. Maybe your finances, your, your relationships with people, your marriage, whatever it may be. As long as you're breathing, it's not too late. You can invite him in now. And let the Lord be building the things that you have in your life for you. Being a doer of God's word. Okay. So the next aspect of us training our human spirit to receive help from the Holy Spirit is to give the word first place. Give the word of God first place. Now, some of you older Christians than the Lord, and you're probably hearing this thinking, yeah, this is a bit obvious. Of course, we need to give the word first place. However, how many of us in practice are putting the word first when it comes to the things in our lives, in your life? Is the word of God really first place? Or is something else first place? Are your desires first place? Is your bank account first place? Because the reality is that other times, a lot of the time, other things come before God. We, we say that God is first. But in reality, a lot of the times, God isn't first. And I'm saying this about myself. A lot of the times I will say with my mouth that yes, I'm putting God first in these particular areas. But when I sit back and I look at what I'm doing, I see that actually, my friend, you're not putting God first. Other things are first before God. And a wise man or wise woman will recognize that and say, Lord, you know what? I'm not putting you first. I'm not putting your word first. Forgive me for doing so. And now going forward, help me to put the things of you and your word first. And that's where I'm at right now. So the training, the developing, and the educating of our human spirit, again, comes by giving the word of God first place in our lives. The word of God should be a priority in our lives. The interesting thing is that the word of God comes with a lot of controversy. Let's be honest. There are many things in the word of God that are contrary or that, are, uh, that oppose the way that the world lives. But the scriptures say this. That the flowers wither and the grass falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. God's word never changes. His word stands. So children of God, we are to put the word of God first. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 22 says this, says, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those who find them, and health to all your flesh. What God said in this passage, says, attend to my words. In other words, give heed, put my word first, says, attend to my words. That's saying, put my words first. It says, incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, listen to what God has to say. If God is speaking to you and you don't listen, you're asking for trouble. 
Because God himself, the one who made you, is speaking to you. And you don't want to listen. Or you hear, and you disregard what God is saying. In the same way that I mentioned, my friend. God spoke to her and said, do not marry this person. But within herself, she thought, no, you know, I want to give this marriage a go. I want to give it a try. So she disregarded God speaking to her through her human spirit, through her conscience. She went ahead and got married. Unfortunately, it didn't work out and it was a very quite a bitter ending. And this is the thing, we put ourselves through things that we don't need to put ourselves through when we do not listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. When we do not put or that we don't give the word of God first place in our lives. He said, let the word not depart from your eyes. In other words, keep looking at the word of God. Keep reading. Keep meditating, which I've said before, on the word of God. It says, keep them in your heart. Keep the word of God in your heart. This is the thing about heart and head. We hear this at times. People make decisions. Now, once I was speaking to Malcolm the other day about this, it's so easy to make decisions with your head because it's logical. One plus one equals two. So yeah, I'll go ahead and do this. But even though it's logical, what is your heart saying? Because your heart is your human spirit. That is the part of you that God will communicate through you. And even though this may make sense, is God saying that you should do it? If your heart or your spirit is telling you to do something else, listen to your, your spirit. And for those of us who are saved, listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to you because there's great reward in doing so. So why is it we should put God's word first? Why should we listen to what God has to say? Why, is, why should we keep God's word in our heart? Proverbs 24.22 says that his words are life unto those who find them. That is why. God's word is life to you who find his word. It brings life. What is life? It's living and breathing. It's being able to do the things that God wants you to do. It brings life. It's the opposite of death. Death has no life. Death is barren. Death is, death as we know is there's nothing can produce. There's no fruit in death. But the word of God brings life. So everything that you have, everything that is in your life, as you begin to put the word of God first and be a doer of God's word, you begin to action God's word. You begin to put God's word first, giving God's word the priority that it should have. What you are doing is that you are allowing God's word to become life within you. And the scripture says also that it is health to all their flesh. The word of God, by obeying God's word, by putting God's word first, giving it first place, you are bringing health to your body. You are bringing health to your body. This is what the word of God says. You think, how does that work? Put it into practice and see for yourself and be, be the beneficiary of the word of God. So attend to his word, it says. Incline your ear, listen to his saying. 
Don't let them depart from your eyes. In other words, watch them, read, study. Because it brings life and it brings health to your flesh. Another version says that the word of God is medicine to your flesh. That's how it acts. When you are in need of, of some kind of uh, relief in your body, at times there's a need to take medicine. And that is what the word of God does. It is medicine to your flesh. There is healing in the word of God. There is healing in God's word. Many of us right now are in need of healing, be it in our bodies, in our minds, in other areas. There is healing in the word of God, in meditating on the word of God. In giving the word first place, in action in the word of God, God will bring healing. There's a lesson to be learned here. You know, there's a scripture in, the, in the, a story in the Bible in the Old Testament um, about a king uh, called King Asa. Scripture says that this king, he had a disease in his foot. And instead of seeking God, because in those days, kings generally would use uh, uh, like a, a, somebody uh, who's a, a high priest and speak to them, get them to speak to God on their behalf. And that, that connection, that relationship uh, um, would help the king just in their rulership or so. So if they had any issue, they'll go to the high priest, the high priest will speak to the, uh, the God on their behalf and relay what God has said back to them. And then they respond and obey in that way. But this king decided that he didn't want to go through God or through the high priest. Instead, he went to a physician to help him with this issue in his leg. The Bible said that as a result of going through this physician, he died. And there's a lesson to be learned there. And the Bible doesn't imply or say that, uh, that this king died because he put the physicians first. But it does imply that he should have put the Lord first. And had he put the Lord or put the word of God first, more than likely he would have lived. The lesson here is to train ourselves to put the things of God first. We need to train ourselves and ask ourselves concerning any matter in our lives. What does God's word, what does God's word say about this situation? Anything that comes up in your life, I'm telling you, the word of God is nothing in your life that could come up that God's word does not cover. God's word does not address. You may not say it word for word or specifically, but I'm telling you that there are everything that you will face in your life, there are words within the scriptures that cover and address how to respond and how to address that situation. So always ask that question. What does word, God's word have to say about this situation? What does God's word have to say about my situation? When we ask that question and you meditate and you find out what it is, then you put the God, word of God first. Put God's word first. You know, sometimes in life circumstances that we face, 
you know, like for example, this whole COVID situation that, that we're all uh, subject to. You know, family or friend at times, they may rush you into things, rushing you to make a decision because they're fearful. And at times they want to convey their fear onto you or their concern onto you. But you need to think about what the word of God says about you. And you act on it. But the reality is that you are going to be the one that's going to stand before God by yourself and give an account for what you've done, what you've said, and how you've acted. You're not going to be there with your family member, your friend, and say, yeah, you know, God, see, um, my brother so-and-so told me that I should do this, and that's why I did it. You give an account yourself. So put God's word first in every area of your life. And in the process, just watch how your human spirit will blossom. And in turn, how the Holy Spirit will begin to dictate every part of your life in the way that he desires to. Because God wants to be involved. And I said to you already, the Holy Spirit works. God works by invitation. We all have a free will. Every one of us has a choice. God has not made us robots. We all have choices that we make. He doesn't force himself onto us. He doesn't force us to worship him or to know him. Doesn't force us to, to go to church. Doesn't force us to, to, to speak to him or to pray. But the more we involve him in what we are doing, that's when we give God the, the, the position and the authority to move and to do things on our behalf. And I want to encourage you this morning, time has gone right now, to get in, into the habit of giving God first place. Give his word first place. As I said before, whatever you're facing right now, there are scriptures, there are things within the word of God that cover exactly what you're facing. But the challenge is, will you put God's word first? Will you begin to practice the word of God and be consistent in having faith and trust in him to the very end concerning what his word says? Maybe your situation is, is such where you're thinking that, listen, the, the thing has gone too far now. But God's word stands forever. Nothing can be too far. People watching that guy, uh, Eric, uh, Christian Erickson on TV, thought it was too late. They thought he, that he was too late. He had died. But through prayer, as people prayed for him, as they prayed for the medical team, the guy that was dead in front of billions on TV came back to life. And in the same way in your situation, whatever things may be seen dead in your life, seem as though they could, they, there can be no progression. As you begin to trust God, as you begin to meditate in his word, as you begin to be a doer of God's word, putting his God, his word into practice, giving his word first place, prioritizing the word of God, you will also have life and receive life in your own situation. I speak this over you. Now, before I close, there's a scripture I want to read in uh, Matthew eleven twenty two, 22. You know, I've, I've been a Christian for quite a few years now. And I first became saved when I was 13, which as you know, is a very young age. And I was very, you know, not confused, but I just knew that, you know, I wanted to know God for myself at that age. And this scripture um, was, the, was the scripture really that kept me for so many years when I got saved. Matthew 11, so Mark 11, verse 22, 24. It says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, if anyone says to this mountain, 
go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. If you have faith and what you're praying is in line with God's will, the Bible says, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. I want to encourage you, don't allow fear or anxiety to take away what God has for you. Don't allow the opinions of others, the thoughts or the concerns that you may have yourself to stop you from receiving the things that God has for you. The scripture says that whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Amen. I want to stop here and I want to quickly pray. Apologies now for going over, over time. There's a couple of things I want to say um, and praying to before I close. You know, when I was praying and preparing for this word, um, there's some things that I thought the Lord was uh, leading me to to communicate to those online and for some of some of us who developed a lifestyle of living without deliberately involving God you know the Lord is saying that for your own sake that this has to stop that you need to involve the Lord in all that you're doing because if you don't what you're doing is you're leaving yourself open for the enemy to attack you to bring things in your life that should not be there so we need to stop living this lifestyle where we do not involve God in what we're doing. So let the Lord speak to you about that. Another thing was that the Lord was saying to me is that some of us have been very double-minded. Too often we change our minds when it comes to things. Things that God has spoken to us about. Things that you know within yourself that this is something that you should do or you shouldn't do. But then we start changing our minds. Again, this has to stop because the enemy is waiting to take advantage of you in this situation. Another thing the Lord was saying to me was that, and this is for our young people, those around from the age of 12 and in, in secondary school. The Lord is saying to you, stop saying that you're too young. Stop thinking that you're too young when it comes to the things of God because that's no excuse. This is what I feel God is saying to you. Everything that you do, you'll still be judged by God. So get out of the habit of, of or get into the habit more of listening and obeying when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Because God is speaking to you, young people. And what you do, God is going to hold you accountable for everything that you do. So get into the habit of involving God. The God that you serve is not the God of your parents. It's your own God. So get to know God for yourself because one day you will stand before him and give an account. I want to pray into these areas. So just agree with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us this morning. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be deliberate in involving you in all that we're doing. Help us, Heavenly Father God, to really be mindful of putting your word first giving your word first place in our lives, oh God. I ask for your forgiveness on behalf of your church, on behalf of your people, where we have put other things ahead of you. Father, forgive us, have mercy on us and help us, oh God. 
Help us, O oh God, to put you and your word first in all that we do. So Lord, we thank you. I also want to pray for those, O oh God, who have heard all that's been prayed today and they don't know you. I want to give an opportunity for you. If you're here and you're online and you've, you know, you've heard all that I've said, you know, the foundation is that you need to know the Lord for yourself. If you're here and you're listening, you haven't given your heart to the Lord and you want to be saved. You want to give your heart to the Lord. I want to pray with you and just simply pray this prayer with me. To Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I have sinned and I repent of everything that I have done that dishonored you. I thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for allowing me to enter into your kingdom. I pray that from this day forward, that you will help me to live with you forever and help me to draw closer to you and know you and use all that you have given to me to advance your kingdom. So Lord, help me to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen.